0: Lock Talk Radio.
1: All right, well, let's take our red songbook and we're going to turn to number 10. Number 10. That's it. That's it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Which way do we get there? We'll wait till
0: we get there. Take it by one day at a time. There we go.
1: Number ten. Let's all stand together and sing this
0: morning. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news. Our Lord's command Jesus saves Jesus saves Plast it on The rolling tide Jesus saves Jesus saves Tell to save For and why Jesus saves Jesus saves Save the islands of the sea Echo back The ocean caves Earth shall keep her jubilee, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, sing above the battle's strife, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, by his death and endless life, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, swing it softly through the gloom, when the heart for mercy pray,
1: And half of us is in here. But amen. I hope they can hear us in the kitchen. But anyway, it's good to be in church this morning. Amen. And I pray the Lord's been good to you. hope everything's been good with you. If not, we can certainly pray. That's why we've come to this time. It's time to lift our requests up to God, and I'm hoping that, that, uh, that you'll do just that. Is there any requests this morning? Miss Charlotte? Yes, ma'am. We'll lift them up in prayer. That's right. Yes, ma'am
0: all the regular problems but so you know, some serious plumbing issues with okay. My goodness. I got her added on
1: the furnace okay. do. Okay. I had I had mentioned my friend in Paris, uh, Gary Preston, and him and his wife that you know, he was he said that she was she had left him and she was uh seeking a divorce. So he told me this morning he said that she was considering some marriage counseling for the first time in a year or so. He said, really be praying for them because he was hoping maybe she had kind of come to the end of herself. So please pray for them. Pray that God restores that that family, that marriage back. And and, uh, they're both good people. The devil's just got in the middle of them. So just pray that God works that out. Pray for my brother. Uh, Just pray that God will work in his life. He's depressed and he he needs uplifting. And pray that God will use him in whatever way that I can be used to do some good in his life. Anybody else? Anything
0: else? I just
1: want to say I was just asked for, I would ask to pray for Haley, and she got my baby girl. Yes. She did well. it because she's Well, amen. That's wonderful. Praise God. Anybody else? Anything else before we go to the Lord in prayer? Yes, that's right. So, pray for Grant, too. Um, Let's see. One other thing I had on my mind. What was it?
0: But,
1: yeah, well, I was thinking about him, but there was something else, and I can't remember what it was, but God knows what it is. God knows. Yes? Uh, Mr. Taylor out in uh, Washington State. Yes, sir. He served me for
0: some issues. He's had a profile, evidently. It's fine. Yep.
1: It's uh, coming
0: out there. He's sure it costs anything.
1: We'll pray for him. Anybody else before we pray? We're gonna to go to the throne of God, so if you got anything, we'll bring it up. Amen. Alright, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Robert Leaves. <laughs> Amen. you may see it. I'm away to church this morning. My wife, she came on in her car, so I was by myself. And I put on some, I put on some, uh, a couple of videos from when I was in Bible college. The song leader down there, Brother Paul Duckett, he, he passed away about a year after I left there. What a great man! I was listening this morning to. Uh, to there's a song called "I Just Call It Home." Says so some call it, some call it glory, some call it paradise, some call it all these different things. said, but I just call it. I'm longing for Jesus So I just call it home I tell you what a blessing I just shouted Hallelujah, glory, hallelujah all over the windshield So I tell you what's well, It's good When you get when Sometimes you just, just Praise God with all your being And I just thank God For for that fellow's memory And I thank God for, for songs that lift up our Savior Amen Let's sing another one, one Number 19 Saved, saved,
0: saved mm-hmm. I found life sublime, life now is sweet and my joy is complete, for I
1: Number 99, Are we okay on that one, sister? I don't think I asked you on that one. Number
0: 99, now I belong to Jesus. Okay. Uh-huh. I've done
1: it in the past. So All right. We'll make it. Amen. Hey, Amen.
0: <laughs> Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From him no power of evil can sever. He gave his life to ransom my soul, now I belong to him, now I belong to Jesus, Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. I was lost in sin, degradation. Jesus came down to bring me salvation, lifting me up from sorrow and shame. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years. But for eternity, joy was my soul, for Jesus has saved me, freed me from sin that long had enslaved me, his precious blood he gave to redeem, now I belong to him, now I belong to Jesus, Jesus belongs to me. Not
1: for the years of time of gold, but for eternity. Amen. 116. 116. Victory in Jesus, my Savior
0: forever. came from glory, how he gave his life on calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning, then I repented of my sin and won the victory, oh, victory. Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Praise God! He loved the air, I knew him, and all my love is to him. He wants me to victory beneath the cleansing A revealing how we made the lame to walk again and cause the blind to see and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and brought to me a victory
1: So many years ago, thank God
0: for Jesus,
1: Amen. Amen. I pray, I praise God every time I think of that little, little black preacher standing inside of Walmart greeting everybody. Didn't say welcome to Walmart. He said thank God for Jesus, Amen. That's what that's what he got paid to do. Isn't that good? Amen. You know, nobody nobody told him shut up. Now, of course, that's 20-30 that's years ago too. But
0: they
1: tell him he needs to stop that now because he's offending somebody. You know this whole world gets worse, but this old book stays the same. Truth stays truth. World can change, world can do whatever it wants to, do, but that truth that not change.
0: Once I wandered out in sin, had no peace, no joy within, and my soul was burdened down with pride. Savior came along and he showed me I was wrong and he placed me on the winning side. Well I'm on the winning side, yes I'm on the winning side. No more out in sin will I abide in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord. I'm on the way side. From the straight and narrow way I was drifting every day out upon the waters deep and wide. But it all the glory shines on my brow Now my soul is on the winning side Well, I'm on the winning side Yes, I'm on the winning side No more out in sin will I abide I've enlisted in the fight for the cause Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. I will never have to fear, oh my Lord, he's ever near. And in him so often I confide. He's the keeper of my soul since I gave to him control. And he placed me on the winning side Well I'm on the winning side Yes, I'm on the winning side oh, out oh, and sin will I abide He's the keeper of my soul. Since I gave the Him control, and I know I'm on
1: the winning side. Amen. Praise the Lord. Back in
0: 1996, February 2nd of
1: 96, I surrendered to preach. I didn't surrender to preach that night. I take that back. That's the night I surrendered to God. I said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I guess I was surrendering to preach ultimately because I was willing to do whatever he wanted me to do. It wasn't for maybe a couple of months later that I realized what he wanted me to do was preach, but put me next door to a fallen preacher. And that fallen preacher, God used him. You know, we look at people and sometimes we say, well, God could never use somebody like that. Look how messed up their life is. I was telling Brother Byron in an office, this morning. I read an excellent little write-up about Samson, he realize Samson's whole life was one big, long string of sin, one after another. Everything he did was wrong. God still used him. Wrote a whole bunch about him in the Bible. Amen? God, God used him even though he was messed up. And God used that old messed up preacher. He was a drunk, smoking crack. Lord knows what all he was doing. Cussing like a sailor. But he introduced me to Dr. Curtis Hudson. Dr. Curtis Hudson introduced me to winning souls. And and that was one of the and Doctor Curtis Hudson was already in heaven when I met him. I met him through his, his his songs and his his messages and and what an impact he made in the life and, and ministry of me. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that God put put even a messed up old preacher next door to me and used him to get me to somebody who had such a heart for God who who basically held me and mentored me and guided me through 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 the early stages of my ministry and what a blessing. It was, and uh, I want to preach this morning from John chapter 19, verse 30. Take your Bible to turn there, John chapter 19, and verse 30, one verse of Scripture. And I know you see one verse of Scripture, we'll be out of here in no time. There's a lot more there than you think. I want to tell you before we start, I love you. I don't know what time we'll get done, but I love you. Amen? <laughs> no, I'm going to try to get us out of here on time. Uh, John nineteen thirty. I don't think we have to read a lot of extra scripture because we know where we're at and we know what's going on. The Bible says in John 19, 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now, I don't have to explain to you, but I'll I'll just briefly explain for those who will be listening in to us this morning that we've been on this series, uh, Getting to know Jesus. This is the two hundred and fourteenth sermon. <clears throat> but this is the this is the sixth sermon on the utterances of Jesus from the cross. And we have looked at them. We've gone through them. I don't have to go through all of them, but I'll say this to remind you: three of them were spoken before the darkness fell upon the earth. One was one was uttered during the darkness that was on the earth, and
0: three were uttered
1: after the darkness, and this is the sixth utterance. The last Sunday we were looking at at when Jesus said, I first. And Jesus there in last week's sermon is seen as the victim. We saw his physical sufferings. He was looked at as the victim last week, but this week, let me tell you something, he is seen as the victor. Amen? We saw him at his, at his work, but now we are going to see he is at his best. Last week he said, I first. This week he said, it is finished. I first. It is finished. The I and the it. The I is the person. The it is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It refers... To the finished work of Christ on Calvary over 2,000 years ago. Let's go a little word in prayer. and Let's get into the message this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We come before your throne this morning. We ask you for power, Lord God. I ask you for Holy Ghost power, Lord God. I pray, Lord, this morning would be a would be a time, Lord, when you're able to speak to us. You're able to talk to our hearts, Lord God. Father, let nothing distract us, Father. We know there's food in the back, but Lord, we don't want to think about that food right now, Lord. We need, we need bread from heaven. We need a touch from you. Fill our cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord, till it's overflowing. Touch us with with a with fresh touch this morning, the Holy Ghost of God. I pray, Lord, you'll draw us to your throne. Lord, you'll draw us to your, chi- uh, to your side as a child draws near to his parents when he's, when he's needful. Lord, I just pray that we'll come to you and we'll say, oh, Father, please. Give me what I need this morning. Show me Calvary. Let me see what Jesus has done for me. Speak to my heart. Father, I pray for people out there listening in who listen to this message. Lord, they may listen live, they may listen later. But, Lord, the message of salvation is there. Lord God, I pray for sinners. I pray for salvation of sinners in this late, dark hour we live in. Father, save somebody. Save somebody who's right on the edge of hell this morning. Oh, God, use me. Use this message. I'm just in your everything. Please, Father, take control and do something in our midst today. I plead with you. I beg, Lord, please have your will in your way. Forgive our sin. Meet with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Like I said, the it refers to his finished work that he finished on Calvary over tw- over 2,000 years ago. This statement it is finished. It's not explicitly spoken in those words, but the same meaning, equivalent to that, is spoken two other times in Scripture. Take your Bible, turn, to, flip over there to Genesis two, verse one, if you will. Genesis two, verse one shouldn't take long. You probably shouldn't lose your place. Amen. Genesis two, verse one. The Bible says in Genesis two, verse one, thus the heavens. And the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. They were finished. Same, same meaning, same uh, same everything as what Jesus said on the cross when he cried out, It is finished. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Revelation 16 and verse 17 is the other place. Revelation 16 and verse 17. The Bible says, and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. It is done. It doesn't say it is finished, but it means the very same thing. It is done. See, the phrase in Genesis 2, 1 speaks of creation when it said, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. It speaks of creation and its work being done or being finished. And that simply meant that nothing could be added to creation to make it any more complete than it was. It is as complete as it can possibly be. When God finished, he said it was good. It's finished. It's done. And nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken away from it that wouldn't disfigure or mar it from its perfection. The expression that he gives in Revelation 16, 17 speaks of the finished work of judgment as the angel pours out the last judgment upon the earth before the millennial reign of Christ begins. Both these statements bear tremendous importance, but they pale in comparison to the one spoken on Calvary over 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, It is finished. Jesus said many wonderful things, many wonderful things that we ought to slow down, stop and study and understand. But it's my honest opinion of that out of every statement that Jesus made during his earthly ministry, these three are the most vital and important of every word he spoke. It is finished. The most needful phrase for men on earth today to understand is it is finished. If you fail to understand what Jesus meant when he said these three words, it could mean eternal damnation for your soul if you don't understand what he meant when he said, it is finished. Since the beginning, Satan has been busy at work trying to keep men from understanding the simple phrase, it is finished. Folks, there are many churches all over Clarksville, Texas, and all over our nation that do not understand the importance of those three words, it is finished. Now, they may believe that on Calvary, Jesus made the down payment for their salvation, and they have to continue making payments on that salvation by good living or good works or something else. But that's not true. Because we can't, make a, we can't finish making payments. Jesus paid it all. That's why he said, it is finished. So, again, a man don't understand, a woman don't
0: understand. This phrase, it is finished, they can die and go to
1: hell. It's dangerous stuff if you don't understand what he meant. I want you to notice here, he did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. You know, the people standing there watching him that day, they may have thought that he meant, I'm dying. I'm finished. But that's not what he meant. No. He wasn't dead. He was going to be buried. He was going to be raised from the dead. He was going to ascend into heaven and make intercession for us forevermore. He was far from finished. Amen? His earthly body was going to die, but he was not going to die. Just as this earthly body may die of mine, but I'm not going to die. No, Jesus said, it is finished. The phrase, it is finished, is translated from only one Greek word. It's a word, tetelestai. Tetelestai, that word tetelestai means it is finished, and as a result, it's forever done. Let that sink in your head. It's finished, and as a result, it is forever done. I was listening to that song this morning. Uh, I, again, I told you I was listening to Brother Paul Duckett on the way to church this morning. And I, I, again, I just, have a, I just have a glory spell. And just, just shouting and praising God and <laughs> sang a song that says, Love grew where the blood fell. Sin died where the blood fell. That's what it said. I just got thinking to thank myself about a roundup. You know, people spray it wherever you get Don't get it on nothing if you don't want it to die because it'll kill it, right? Get a little drop on the leaf, it'll kill the whole plant. They used to tell you, get your plastic gloves and get it on your hands. Just rub the leaves, it'll kill them. What Roundup does to weeds, Christ's blood does to sin, and then don't come back once it kills it. Amen. Hey, it's finished. To Telista, it's finished. It's the word of an artist. Just to put it in terms where maybe we can see it a little more clearly. It, it, it may be a painting that's painted, and after the artist inspects it, he finds nothing that needs. Be added, and nothing that can be improved. He steps back, looks at his painting, takes it all in. He says, "It's finished." To if he was Hebrew. He might, have, or he had, was Greek. He spoke a Greek. He would have said, "To nothing can be added to make it better." If I take anything away, it'll mar the beauty of the painting. It's finished. It's the words of a songwriter, and I certainly can relate to that. I've written many songs over the, over the last 35, 40 years, and when you've written that last verse, there's a satisfaction that comes over you. Whoop, finally. i am tell you, a third verse is the hardest thing in the world to write sometimes. But when you get to that point, the song doesn't need another verse. It doesn't need a bridge or it doesn't need to be shorter. It expresses and it conveys the emotions and the thoughts of the writer. You can truly say, it's finished. <clears throat> it's finished. It's also the words of a priest. When the priest saw that works were coming to offer his sacrifice on the altar and he notices that sacrifice is without blemish. It's without spot, without stain. I'm sure he saw so many people trying to come and offer a, 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 a an animal that, that wasn't pure, simply because they couldn't get their hands on one, and they brought they tried to bring something that was impure. When a priest saw somebody coming with one that was pure, and he inspected it, and it was sacrifice, he step back and he could say, to tell us finished. Nothing can be added to this lamb. Nothing can be taken away. It's as if, it's just as God wanted it. It's perfect. Tetelestai is finished. That's what it meant. It meant it is perfect. Again, nothing can be added to it at all. Nothing can be taken away from it without marring its beauty, without marring its perfection. It's the words of a master craftsman. Looking upon his finished craft when he's done, to Telista, it's finished. Again, it means nothing has been left undone. Now, you think about last week. What we talked about last week? We talked about our thirst. We talked about how Jesus had to fulfill every last detail of prophecy, and if he left anything undone, it would it would say it would show that he was not the Messiah. He had to do everything that the Bible said had to be done, accomplished perfectly to the letter,
0: or he was not the Messiah. And again, there he
1: was, dying on the cross, and, I, and in his mind, he sees that one prophecy left undone, and so. He cries out so that the Scripture might be fulfilled, the Bible says. He said, I thirst to fulfill the Scripture. Again, that was one last stroke that must be put upon the painting, one last thing that must be
0: added. And Jesus saw it, and when he stepped back from it all, he saw that it had all been done.
1: And he said, It's finished. It's finished. This morning, let me say I've got I've got four points. Amen. Let's get into it. Number one, the phrase "it's finished." It speaks of the consummation of the prophetic scriptures. Everything, like I just said, everything coming together. And I don't have to I don't have to continue on that line of thinking too far because we've got that I do believe. But along with those scriptures that we read, you got to understand not only the scriptures that. that, that that point to the Calvary, that point to, to him being the Messiah. But there's also, there's also types and pictures and foreshadowings in the Old Testament. I'll just give you one so, so we can keep moving. But the, the ark, Noah's ark is a picture. It is a type. It is a foreshadowing of Christ. Noah and his family were saved from judgment by entering into the ark. And that ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. Saving us from sin. The ark saved them from destruction. The judgment of God fell upon the ark. It rained upon the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. It fell upon the ark, not them. Just as the judgment of God fell upon Jesus on the cross and not us. The judgment of God still fell, but it fell upon the substitute, you see. Are you with me? The phrase, it is finished, I said, number one, it, it speaks of the consummation of prophetic scriptures. But number two, it speaks of the culmination of his personal suffering. There's no, there's no way possible for me to put into words the suffering that Jesus endured for us in paying our sin debt. There's no, there's no words that can convey all that to us in one sermon. To pay the debt that you and I owed for sin... That that requires to have to suffer eternal damnation. you realize that? If we paid our sin debt, we would have to suffer eternal damnation. Now, don't ask me to explain it to you and make you see it, but somehow, somehow, Jesus paid all of that in those six hours upon that cross. Somehow, Jesus endured my eternity in hell on that cross for me. He suffered immeasurably for me. Somebody suggested that Jesus suffered from three different directions, and I would have to agree with it. He faced suffering at the hands of God, the hands of Satan, and the hands of men, all three. He endured a lot of suffering at the hands of men, didn't he? They reached up and they grabbed his beard and they plucked it out of his face, ripping it from his face. He was blindfolded. And those big Roman soldiers balled up their fists and they punched him as hard as they could in the face. And they laughed and they said, prophesy which one of us hit you. And another one ran back and hit him in the face
0: as hard as he could. And they said, prophesy again, who was it that hit you this time?
1: And they laughed at him as they did it. They cleared their sinuses and they spit in his face. They braided a crown of thorns and they shoved it on on his head down into his skin and then they took a, a rod and they beat it down into his flesh. They tied him to that column and they, the lictors beat his back with those can of nine tails and tore his back to shreds.
0: Then they made, they made him they put
1: that heavy two hundred pound cross on him and marched him
0: up the hill with his back shredded.
1: And he took those nails and they nailed them through his hands and his feet. they hung him up on that cross. And every time he wanted to breathe, he had to push up on his feet and pull in his hands just to be able to inhale and to exhale every breath for six hours. His back torn to shreds. And don't think for one second that the cross he hung on was as smooth as that one up here. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't varnished. I can guarantee you that. It wasn't sanded. It was hewed out of just an old rugged tree, and it was—it had splinters and everything else. And every time he went to raise himself up, pulling against the nerves and bones in his wrist and pushing down on a nail that through both his feet, he had to scrub his back up and down that old rugged cross with every breath. And you and I, no matter how rough the sufferings we may face in this life, we'll never come close to suffering what Jesus suffered for you and I, struggling to breathe, lifting and falling, scouring his back against that old rugged cross. I believe that's how David could say in Psalm 23, And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Jesus was acquainted with the valley of the shadow of death. I said he suffered at the hands of men, but he also suffered at the hands of Satan. Just to look at a quick prophecy, Genesis 3. I'm not going to spend much time on Satan this morning. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. The Bible said, And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman,
0: and between thy
1: seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He was... He was giving Jesus everything he could while he was on that cross. The devil threw everything he had at the moment at Jesus. He suffered at the hands of men. He suffered at the hands of Satan. Well, let me say to you, Lashley, and more importantly, he suffered at the hand of God. If you ask the question this morning, who killed Jesus? You'd get different answers. Some would say it was the Jews who killed Jesus. They stood there and they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Give us Barabbas! They wanted a a common thief. They wanted wanted Barabbas turned over to them rather than Jesus and sent Jesus to be crucified. Others would say maybe it was the Roman soldiers that killed Jesus since they were the ones that had administered the punishment and drove the nails into his hands and feet. Still others would say that it was sinners like me and you. And I think that's partly correct because it was our sin that put him on that cross. But if we get right down to it and we tell the truth, it was God who killed his only begotten son. He sacrificed his only son for me and you. He allowed his only son to suffer our hell for us so that we could go and be with him in his heaven when we die. Isaiah 53, 10 says this, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. I'm going to tell you something this morning. There ain't anybody alive on this earth that I would offer up my son to die for. I don't care who they are. I don't care how much I love them and care for them. There's not a single one that I would say, hey, I'll I'll let Jackson die in your place. I wouldn't. But God did. God did. And I'm going to tell you something. If that's not love, then love doesn't exist. If what God did, going that far for me and you, giving all that he had, laying everything down for me and you, if that's not love,
0: then it's no such thing as love.
1: John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We quote that verse so often, we've read it so often, we've seen it so often, that it almost seems overused. But listen, when you put it in its proper lighting, boy, it shines. God so loved the murderer. God so loved the rapist. God so loved the liar. God so loved the drunkard. God so loved the junkie. God so loved the crackhead. God so loved the gangbanger. God so loved the politician. God so loved the lawyer, the pedophile, the cannibal, the sodomite, the adulterer, the cannibal. I said the cannibal. The coward and the rebel. He loved all of them so much that he gave his only begotten son in their place, in our place, in my place, in your place. That's what Jesus meant when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said, I can bear the torture that this men, these men have placed on me. I can bear the sufferings of hell. I can bear all of that, but I can't bear it. You turning it away from me. Romans 8.32 said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? When Jesus cried out to Telestai, it is finished, it meant no more scourging, no more mocking, no more sin in his face, no more suffocation, no more pain from his ripped flesh and his pierced hands and feet. It meant his pain was over. But it meant more than that, that there'd be no more separation. That that was all ended. That was done. I said the phrase, it's finished. It speaks of the consummation of the prophetic scriptures. It speaks of the culmination of his personal suffering. And it speaks of the conquest of Satan. Satan was trying to do all he could. Oh, he was, he was bound and determined that he would, he would put an end to Jesus. But you know what the Bible says in John sixteen eleven? It says the prince of this world, is judged. He's judged. His sentence has already been handed down, praise God. Y'all know the name Vance Havner, I think, probably. Wrote devotionals, a great preacher. Vance Havner said this. He said, when I read the Bible, and I read where it looks like Satan is having a heyday, and Satan is the conqueror, I always turn to the last part of the book and read the 20th chapter where it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. He said, When I was a little boy, I used to read Western novels. And it looked like the villain was about to get the hero. He said, I'd get so nervous, I'd bite my fingernails. Finally, I'd finish the book and get to the last chapter, and the hero always came out on top. Vance said he started reading the last chapter first, and he would see that the hero won, and then he would turn to the beginning and read. So when it began to look like the villain was going to win, he said, I just smile, because I knew how the story was going to play out. And in these days that we're living in, Days that mirror the days of Noah. They mirror the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. When perversion is not only condoned by our government, but is running our government, we need to turn to the last chapters in the book and remind ourselves that we're on the winning side. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. An old street preacher stopped in front of a saloon many years ago, and he asked the saloon keeper if it would be okay if he preached out in front of his saloon. The saloon keeper chuckled, and he said, yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you stand out here and preach in front of my saloon as long as you stand up on top of a beer keg and do it. The preacher stopped. He stopped for a second. He, he said, yeah, I'll do it. So the old saloon keeper brought out a beer keg, and the preacher climbed up on top of it. And he said, friends, I'm standing today right where I've always wanted to be, preaching with the devil under my feet. Amen. <laughs> I like that. Amen. Someday, someday that's where he's going to be. God's going to put him under our feet. Amen. He'll be wrapped in a chain and cast into the bottom of his pit for a thousand years. And after that, God's going to judge him and throw him into the lake of fire, and he'll never he'll never be heard from again. Listen, no matter what we do in life, I don't care whether you're an electrician or painter or plumber or shoe horses or build houses or work in an office, no matter what you do, no matter what your occupation is, there's, there's, a, there's a thousand reasons why you could fail because of the world we live in. There's no su- guaranteed success at whatever you choose to be in life. But let me tell you something. That ain't the same case with a Christian. You see, the power of Satan is what comes against us, and that power was conquered two thousand years ago when Jesus said those three words: "It is finished." I used to have a I used to have a T-shirt that had that had Jesus on it Jesus on the cross, and it said it says Jesus beat the devil with a big ugly stick. Amen. Cross of Calvary. Number one, I said there's the consummation of prophetic scriptures. Number two, the culmination of his personal suffering. Number three, the conquest of Satan. Number four, the completion of a perfect salvation. It is finished. Finished if we could only get the rest of the world to understand the importance and the meaning of those three words. You know, there's places in this world you can go where you go far far enough, there's no electricity, there's no running water, there's no golden arches, there's no Coca-Cola bottles, may not be even a written language, but I can tell you something, there's a place of worship. Somebody made that joke, you know, the guy was stranded on a desert island and finally was found. When he was found, there were three huts. And they asked him, said, "Well, he's only one man. Why, why are there three huts?" And he said, "Well, one of them's my house." And he said, and "The other is my church." And he said, "The other one's the church I used to go to." <laughs> Amen. That's the way it usually is. Amen. But no, man is inherently religious. Man wants to be religious. Again, he may not have modern tools or a currency but there's a system of worship where he's at. And that's not the problem that man has a desire to be religious. The problem is, is, is not that he seeks God, but the problem is, is that when he finds God, he wants to help God. You hear me? He wants to help God. When Adam sinned in the garden, he was ashamed of his sin. He was guilty, and he knew he'd done wrong, and he even went and hid himself. But he made an effort to try to cover it up, didn't he? Went and got some fig leaves. He said, we better fix this before God gets here. Eve, he, we've got to fix this. So he made some aprons. Aprons won't cover much. Kind of like modern religion. Won't cover much. Because they us still put it on, won't they? I mean, it didn't cover much, but it was enough to soothe their conscience not enough to save, just like religion today. He said, how do I look? He said, you look fine. She said, how do I look? He said, oh, you look good, you look good, you look good. And then later God came strolling up in the evening. And he said, Adam, where art thou?" Suddenly Adam had no confidence in his fig paper. All his confidence in his man-made covering went away. It was all right in front of Eve. It wasn't all right in front of God. That's the way religion is today. Man looks at it. Man approves, and it looks okay in front of other men. But when we get it before God, we see it, it doesn't cover anything. So what did God do? God killed an animal. He shed blood for sin. He made him coverings. He didn't make them aprons. He didn't make her a bikini and him a, a loincloth. No, he made them coats to cover their nakedness. I assume it covered them from the shoulders all the way down to the foot. They needed more than fig leaves. They needed to be covered. Amen. I don't want something to just lay across me. I want Jesus to cover me in his
0: foot.
1: Amen. I don't want this part and that part covered. I want it all covered. Amen. They needed more than fig leaves. They needed to be covered. They needed to be clothed in the righteousness of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, he said, It is finished. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest brain, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking, sand. Folks, when we try to help God, we're like a toddler trying to help do an adult activity. You know what happens when a toddler tries to help an adult do an adult activity? Number one, it's a waste of time because they don't know what they're doing. Number two, whatever work they do ain't going to be acceptable. And number three, it's going to have to be redone. So, I mean, there's no point. It may be cute, but it don't do nothing. It doesn't help. What am I trying to say? I'm saying when it comes to salvation,
0: don't touch it. Take your hands
1: off of it. It's nothing for us to do anything with. It's all of God. It's not
0: anything of us.
1: All we have to do is believe that he died and he paid the debt. It is finished. The debt has been paid. John three thirty six. he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It's not that he will have it. He has it. It's his, his possession at that moment when he believes. I want to close with a a poem, and I'll I'll be done. It's quite a few verses, but I want you to listen close. Nothing to pay, no, not a whit. Nothing to do, no, not a bit. All that was needed to do or to pay, Jesus has done in his own blessed way. Nothing to do, no, not a stroke. Gone is the captor. Gone is the yoke Jesus at Calvary Severed the chain And none can imprison His free man again Nothing to fear No, not a jot Nothing unclean No, not a spot Christ is my peace And I've nothing at stake Satan can neither harass Nor shake Nothing to settle All has been paid Nothing of anger Peace has been made. Jesus alone is the sinner's resource. Peace he has made by the blood of his cross. What about judgment? Oh, I'm thankful to say Jesus has met it and borne it away. Drunk it all up when he hung on the tree, leaving a cup full of blessing for me. What about terror? It hasn't a place in a heart that is filled with a sense of His grace. My peace is divine, and it never can cloy. That makes my heart overbubble with joy. Nothing of guilt, no, not a stain. How could the blood let any remain? My conscience is purged, and my spirit is free. Precious, that blood, is to God and to me. What of the law? Oh, there I rejoice. Christ answered its claims and silenced his voice. The law was fulfilled when his work was all done and it never can speak to a justified one. What about death? It hasn't a sting. The grave to a Christian no terror can bring for death has been conquered. The grave has been spoiled for every man was the enemy foiled. What about feelings? Ah, trust not to them. What of my standing? Who shall condemn? Since God is for me, there is nothing to fear. I'm sorry, there's nothing so clear. From Satan and man, I have nothing to fear. What of my body? Ah, that I may bring to God as a holy, acceptable thing. That this temple where Jesus, that that is the temple where Jesus abides. The temple where God by his spirit resides. Nothing to pay. No thanks be to God. The matter is settled. The price was the blood. It's finished. Let's stand together. Hallelujah, it's finished. Amen? Nothing can touch it. Nothing can disrupt it. Nothing can break it. Nothing can can destroy
0: it. It's done. It's finished.
1: I don't know if there's a single person here that doesn't
0: know that. I assume from your testimony,
1: everybody outside my voice in this room is saved. I can't assure that. Only you can assure of that. But I want to say this to you. There are people who listen to this message. There are people out. Yeah, there are people in the Philippines. There are people in other countries. There's lots of Philippines. There are people in Canada. There are people all over the United States to this message. And there's somebody out there lost this morning. There's somebody out there who's listening to this message. And this may be the first time they're ever hearing the gospel message. And they need Jesus. They need to be saved. There are people on your street, probably. There are probably people who live within a, within a block radius of you who don't know Jesus. There are people you pass every day up and down the road. Some, some of them you probably even wave at. People you stand across a gas pump from. People you're shopping on a grocery store aisle with, and they're lost, and they're, their destination is hell, and Jesus has done everything. It's as simple as giving someone a key to a door. God has to give them the desire to go through that door, but I'm telling you it's as simple as handing someone a key to a locked door when we share the message of salvation and we give them access to everything heaven holds. Let's not be stingy with the grace of God. Let's let's teach it. Let's tell it. Let's share it. Let's let our lives be an echo of the grace of God wherever we may go. And let's ask God to give us the power to do so because we can't do it without him. We're, We're helpless without him. My hope and prayer is, is that the sinner hears this message and will come to Jesus Christ again. Nothing in my, in my hand, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. My prayer is, whoever it may be, that they'll come to him and believe on him for salvation today. And if you hear this morning, God's speaking to your heart about something. Do business with the Lord. This is the time. God's, God's at work. There's nothing we can do. We just need to respond to him. Let's do that this morning. We're going to sing number 375 in just a moment, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come before you. Lord, I preach the message that you gave me to preach. Lord, you preached it through me. I pray, Father, that, Lord, the Holy Ghost of God uses it. Lord, that it doesn't end when we say amen, but it continues on in our heart and it drives and motivates us. Oh, Father, I know there's messages I've heard that I still think on today that I heard decades ago. Lord, you take the word and empower us with it. Save a soul this morning. Oh God, revive a church this morning. Change lives. Straighten our paths. Lord, renew our hearts. Tear away the stony flesh of our heart. Show us, Lord, the, the tender places where you can where you can move and, and live and, and Lord and, and work through us. We pray, Father. Holy Spirit, we give you access this morning. We ask you, please do a work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 375. Just as I am.
0: Just as I am without one spring, but that.